Today's scripture lesson comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 27. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot would say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the feet, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. In those members of the body that we think less honorable, we clothe with greater honor, and our less respectable members are treated with greater respect, whereas our more respectable members do not need this. But God has so arranged the body, giving the greater honor to the inferior member, that there may be no dissension within the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. Now, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Thank you, Maddie. Let's go to God in prayer. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you. Amen. It is the second week of our Jesus Never Said sermon series, where we're exploring some common cliches and platitudes and discerning if they're really meaningful to our faith. Where did they come from? Why do we say them? Today's phrase is, God won't give you anything you can't handle. These words echo through time and space, telling us that each of us can manage the hardships that we face. To the child who has lost a parent, God won't give you anything you can't handle. To the healthcare worker nearing two years on the COVID unit, God won't give you anything you can't handle. To the man in solitary confinement, God won't give you anything you can't handle. And to the family in the refugee camp, God won't give you anything you can't handle. The word gospel means good news. I'm sure most of you have heard that before. 
The gospel of Jesus Christ is supposed to be good news to hurting people. At the start of his ministry, in the fourth chapter of Luke, Jesus says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because God has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. God has sent me to proclaim release to the captive and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I didn't hear anything about God won't give you anything you can't handle. The first part of this phrase that I'd like to talk about is what it implies about God's character. Pastor Daniel addressed this well last week, so I would just like to refresh our minds to what he said. God is not a dealer in a poker game, handing out good and bad cards at random. God is love. God calls us to live in beloved community with one another. God created us for joy. God created us to have life and have it abundantly. God is not relaxing in heaven, deciding who gets cancer or where the next hurricane will land. We live in a fallen and broken world. God has granted us free will, and sometimes with that free will, we make choices that hurt other people. We make choices that hurt creation. We create systems and structures that exploit others. And sometimes, living in a world where sin is present, bad things just happen. And there is no one to blame There is no one to hold accountable. There is no justice to demand. Instead, we are stuck, wrapped in grief and pain with no next steps. God does not ordain suffering or pain to happen, but it does. So what do we do? How do we keep living when something unthinkable occurs. That brings us to the second part of God won't give you anything you can't handle. The you here implies that you will be handling all hardship on your own. The word you is used twice and both times it is individual. It is solitary. But as we read in our scripture today, God does not create us to walk alone. We are part of the body of Christ. We are made for community and for relationship with one another. We are not supposed to face obstacles as individuals. We are made to face them together. The human need for community and relationship to weather the challenges of life together is supported by science. 
When anthropologist Margaret Mead was asked what she considered to be the first sign of civilization in a culture, she didn't talk about building shelter or weapons for hunting. She didn't talk about scavenging for food or even using fire. Mead said that the first evidence of civilization was a 15,000-year-old fractured femur found in an archaeological site. As you may remember from high school anatomy, the femur is the longest bone in the human body. It connects your hip to your knee. 15,000 years ago, long before the benefits of modern medicine, it took around six weeks of rest for a fractured femur to heal. That is six weeks without standing, walking, or running. With this particular bone that had been found, the scientists could see that it had once been fractured and had healed. This ancient human had not died because of a broken femur. Mead explained that in the animal world, if you break your leg, you are pretty much toast. You cannot run from danger. You cannot find water to drink or hunt for food. With an injury like this, you are waiting for your predators. Rendered immobile, you would die of thirst if you were not killed by something else first. A broken femur is evidence that other people, community members, friends, or family, had taken time to stay with the injured person, to bound up the wound, and carried that person to safety. It is evidence that someone cared for them during recovery. A healed femur indicates that a community has shared another human being's burden rather than abandoning them to suffer alone. In our scripture today, the Apostle Paul writes to the Corinthians that they are one body, the body of Christ. Paul tells us that when one part of the body is suffering, the entire body suffers. There is no suffering in silence. We are not created to face trials alone. We were meant to face them together as one body, the body of Christ. In order to share our burdens and to face difficult times as one body, we first have to be vulnerable. We have to admit when we are struggling. We have to ask for help. Being vulnerable and asking for help is challenging for many of us, myself included. The majority culture in the United States preaches rugged individualism and survival of the fittest. But the truth is, None of us can do anything alone. We all need the help and support of our community. 
God created us for sharing in the ups and downs of life as one community, as one body. The concerns of my siblings in Christ are my concerns. We are called and made by our Creator to share our burdens and our joys as part of our common life together as the body of Christ. My questions for you are, where is God calling you to be vulnerable this week? Where is God calling you to ask for help? Where is God calling you to lean on the body of Christ? And similarly, how is God calling you to support the other members of Christ's body? How can you share in their burdens and in their joys? The cliche is that God won't give you anything you can't handle. Let's try this instead. God and the body of Christ will walk with you through the unthinkable. You were never meant to handle it alone. Amen.